Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. This week, we have been asking the question, what does God call the church family to look like? And today, we're looking at the responsibilities that we as members of a local church have. You know, one of the very unfortunate aspects of Western culture is our unquestioned individualism. And this manifests itself in how individuals interact with the local church. We are far more quick to ask, what does this church have to offer me, as opposed to how can I serve and love this local church? So let's first deal with what an unhealthy view of church membership looks like. So brothers, what are some wrong views, wrong practices that we as individuals can bring to our local churches? And your your question really implies it. The thing that we see most often, and uh, a lot of listeners will recognize this and, and know this dynamic, that people, many people today bring a consumer mentality to the church. Mm-hmm. What does it have to offer me? It's almost like seeing yourself as a, as a customer, and I'm coming to this organization to provide a service to me and my family. If I don't like the service that's being given, I'm going to go down the road to another, to another store yeah. and find something that people will say will meet my needs. Yeah, we need to be discerning when, we, when we're looking for a church for, for our family, but for goodness sake, don't, don't bring a consumer mentality. You're, you're not a consumer. You're a member of the body of Christ. There's, there's certain obligations and commitments that go along with that. And it's certainly, the Lord deliver us from being consumers in that relationship. Yeah. I think we have so easily just imbibed this idea that individualism is actually a biblical concept. Yeah. And we need to embrace the idea that individualism is a Western concept. Yeah, absolutely. It's not a biblical concept. The corporate nature of the scriptures is so overwhelming, and the number of one another passages, the number of ideas that we are one body of Christ, that we are all together, is so pervasive. But we have so embraced this idea, individualism is a mantra of the Christian faith that we apply that in the church in such a way, and and Josh's question is really emphasizing that. And what Phil says, we go to a church and say, well, what what do they have to offer me? And when you read the scripture, what you'll find is the, the question always is, what are you to offer to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. I mean, there are three prominent passages that deal with the gifts that God has given to the church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In, in Romans 12, in 1 Corinthians 12, in Ephesians 4, mm-hmm. all of them say that you were given a gift by God's grace, given a gift by God, whether God the Father in Romans, whether God the Spirit in, in, in 1 Corinthians, or God the Son in, in Ephesians. And every single time it says that that gift was given for the good of the body. Yeah. To build you, up the body of to Christ. To build up the body of Christ. And, and that even applies to our worship. Our, our worship is a corporate event. We talk about 
liturgy, liturgy being the work of the people. It's not the Jesus-y entertainment of the masses. It is the work of the people directing our thoughts and hearts toward God. When we think about worship, it's not about emotional manipulation or sensory gratification or to hook an audience. We need to find out where liturgy connects people to the heart of God, you know, through the hearing and responding to God's word. We read God's word, we preach God's word, we sing God's word. Those are the things that are that we're called to do in in worship. And sometimes we just miss that because as you said, we're looking at how's this program entertaining me? Is this the worship m- music that I hear on my favorite FM station? How funny or how charismatic or how entertaining and relevant is the pastor? Does he insert a joke in his co- in conversation? All those things are important to a consumer mentality yeah. instead of the covenant community of people. I think mm-hmm. part of the problem, at least from, from my perspective in my own heart, is that I think I'm blind to my own individualism. Mm-hmm. David Foster Wallace, who was a, a, an atheist, um, he actually had this famous speech at Kenyon University for a commencement speech in 2005. And he opened it by saying, you know, there's these two young fish that are swimming along and they happen to meet this older fish. And this older fish says, hey, boys, how's the water? And they take off and, and they look at each other. They say, what's water? Yeah. <laughs> and Wallace's point is that the most obvious, uh, ubiquitous, important realities that are around us are often the ones that are the hardest to see and the hardest to talk about. And mm-hmm. then he goes on to say that, you know, his immediate, his most immediate experience supports his deep deep belief that he is the absolute center of the universe because in whatever conversation he is in, he's in it. Whatever thoughts that he's having, he's having. Wherever he's at, he's at. And he's blind to how pervasively self-centered he is. And let me just apply this to one area of the church. We walk into the church. I heard Michael Horton talking about this the other day on his radio program where he said, you know, I walk into a church and I, and I hear this song and it's a, it's a lament, it's a lamenting song. It's a sad song. It's about, you know, being in the wilderness. And I think to myself, well, I'm not sad. This song isn't serving me. And he, he questions, wait a second, what about the other people that are sad and bearing burdens right now? You're called to sing and help them as well in, in your worship to God to bear those burdens along with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Likewise, on the other hand, you walk in and there's this happy, happy song ab- about the glories of God and you don't feel happy. Mm-hmm. Well, you're called to worship together. You're, you're not called together to worship mm-hmm. alone. Yeah. yeah. In, in our worship, we always use a printed prayer of confession. Mm-hmm. And I actually, more than once, have had people come up to me individually, and uh, I have yet to have somebody raise their hand in the middle of the worship service and object, but <laughs> I won't be surprised when it happens. Uh, but I've had people object to that and say, I'm, I'm not even guilty of all these sins that are in this prayer. And, and my answer is, it's a corporate confession. We're confessing as a people. Our, there's, a, there's a corporate nature of, of sin. We're in this together. And you are helping, you, you may not be guilty of every sin that's in there, although I said, give it some prayer, because you might, <laughs> you might be surprised. We are, it, it's a corporate act when we confess our sin. This is a burden, we, the sin is a burden we bear together, and grace is a gift. God's forgiveness and grace is a gift we share together as a body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I even think this, this individualism is shown even in our perspective of, of loved ones that have died. Our mentality is that our loved ones have died. Yes, they have entered into the presence of God in their spirit, but they have not been glorified. They haven't received a glorified body yet. But when you hear people talk, they already have. 
Well, why haven't they received the glorified body? Because Christ will not take his church in parts. Mm. He will only take it as one. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And we so are so individualistic that it's, well, we die and automatically we are running and skipping and jumping and, 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 and in the tulips with, with Jesus in heaven. Well, no, yeah. because Jesus won't take his church in parts. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, then let's ask the positive part of this question then. And, and of course, a lot of it's implied in what we just talked about. But what does a healthy church member look like? What are our responsibilities as members of a local congregation? Well, and I know you're trying to turn positive here, but I'm going to do just one more negation. The, to be, to be, to be a, a healthy church member, the first thing you have to say is a negation. It's not about me, uh, because culture so pervasively teaches us that it is all about you, and, and you're the consumer, and go. You're there for what you can get out of it. No, renounce that. Yeah. <laughs> it's not about me. Yeah. It, it's about God. It's about His glory. It's about God's call on my life. He's called me to be a part of this people. He's gifted me, as was mentioned earlier. He has gifted me. That's his promise. He's gifted me. And every every church member is a member of the body and is gifted in some way to serve others and to serve God within within the body. Uh, so step one, it's not about me. And then, God, what gift have you given me to be of service that I can offer here to build up the body of Christ. It's interesting that when you deal with all three of those passages that deal with giftedness within the church, um, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, every single passage is followed by an extensive teaching on love. Mm -hmm. Every Mm -hmm. single time. I don't believe that's coincidence. That's right. And I think when you find some of the conflicts and, and difficulties within the church, it's because of the fact that we've made the gifts about us and we've stopped Mm -hmm. being loving in our exercise of the giftedness that we've been given. In the most general way, I think that the church member needs to attend regularly, maintain and seek peace among others, edify and others, warn and admonish by speaking the truth in love, um, pursue reconciliation, bear with one another, and support uh, the the work of that church, work of that ministry. For many people, individually, they can they can become good listeners in in church. I mean, that's one of the things, and so that they become theologically informed members. They they need to be saturated with the gospel, who they are in Christ, who God is. They need to. What is a good church member? Someone who's genuinely converted. Yeah. Someone, someone, <laughs> someone who knows their their sin and knows how it's dealt with, uh, you know, at the cross by Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, I remember years ago, listening to R.C. Sproul in a in a study, and he he mentioned how when he was first graduating uh, from uh, seminary. And he'd gone to a liberal seminary, and he had a professor that was uh, conservative and biblical and believing. And he said, you know, gentlemen, some of you will go into churches, and the first thing that you'll have to pray for is the salvation of your elders. I read an article once by Kevin DeYoung um, where, going off of what Jonathan was saying just a little while ago, of, of a good church member goes to church. Mm-hmm. And then Kevin said, okay, let's assume that's our baseline. Mm-hmm. Now let's take the plus one approach to church. Add one more thing yeah. than what you're currently doing. One more study, one more, if you know, if the church has an evening service, attend the evening service, do a plus one. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a great way to, to encourage people to take the baby steps. Yeah. You don't have to, to, 
to turn over the apple cart all in one day, do plus one. And after you've done that for a while, add another yeah. and engage in the church life. Yeah. Well, I think we understand that legitimately someone can't be there oftentimes every time the church doors are open because there are a number of events in many of the churches that would just wear people out that would consume their whole week. But that whole plus one approach is an important thing. I want to be involved here and then in something else. Well, you know, the the passage in Hebrews that we quoted earlier about uh, not neglecting to meet together, that's connected to loving your neighbor. (laughs) Why should you attend church? Because that's how you stir one another up to love and good Mm -hmm. works. And so non-attendance is a matter of loving your neighbor as as well as loving the Lord your God. Mm -hmm. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. If you'd like to uh, get to know us, go to ReformationBoise.com. There you can find uh, past broadcasts as well as information about our annual upcoming conference. We'll see you next time.